And as we continue with our series about Jesus, what an amazing story of compassion and of power. I don't know what programmes make you cry on television. Uh, There are two dead certs for me. Uh, It's almost like crying therapy, controlled crying, if you like. Uh, One is DIY SOS. Um, I love it because, those of you who know me well, I'm not particularly gifted in practical things. So I love the fact that the community comes together and there's mess and there's chaos and there's brokenness possibly in the family. And the team come in and they restore the house, the garden, they restore things to glory, to beauty and to uh, a good place. And what I love about it is not only the transformation part, the before and after, but that sense of community together coming to be loving, to be kindness, to be compassionate. The second one, I mentioned this if you're at the prayer gathering, uh, is ambulance. And this has become like therapy for me. It's over, so I may be a little bit touchy, but it it was good while it lasted. And every week I would faithfully watch either at time or on catch-up for kind of controlled crying. And I don't know why it affects me so much, but I guess that it's about the fact that these paramedics, these wonderful people, if you're a paramedic out there today, I just think you're amazing. But what they do is when when the call comes in, they go into sometimes danger, they go into crisis, they go into near-death experiences for the person, they go into mental health crisis, they go to people who've walked into the sea because they want to end their own life and they bring compassion they bring care they bring kindness Uh, it's not all about the healing it's actually about them sitting with them there's a lovely man who was almost naked who was homeless and just watching the way that they preserved his dignity the way they brought him into the ambulance and then they said what's going on with you and he said I just want to be loved And just the kindness that they showed unlocked something in that man. And uh, I've suggested to my family I might sign up to be a paramedic. Uh, They think no, they don't think I'd be very good. I think I'd be brilliant, particularly at the driving fast with the blue light on. But um, maybe not at the medical part because I'm a bit squeamish. Um, But there is something about this story in the Gospel of Luke that touches us deeply and that clearly touched Jesus even more so. Because here is a widow who has lost her husband and now on top of that has lost her son. And Luke says it was her only son. And in the day that this was set, in the day that this happened, a Jewish woman had no earning capacity. So she's got little hope left, really, even in terms of her money. She may well have been facing destitution. So she's got financial worries. She's got a double bereavement going on. And she is in a funeral possession where someone has clearly died. Her son has clearly died. And every single one of us experiences times of trouble and times of pain. Sometimes it's of our own making. My sister sent me this slide this week. I'm not sure what she was trying to say. Um, but this, is, this little dog has got himself into a bit of a mess. He's been a bit too close to the sugar puffs and uh, he has uh, eaten his fill, shall we say. Um, and it's got all over his face, so much so that he is blinded really to what's going on around him. And I wonder for us, we may feel sometimes that this mess is of our own making 
And it's kind of blinded us. It's kind of stopped us seeing what God can do in a situation. Because we all live a little bit unaware of how God is stepping into our mess all the time. We live thinking perhaps like the Stoics of the time who believed that God was distant, that he was uncaring, that he was great, but he was remote. We think perhaps he may not be interested in our mess, particularly if it's stuff that we have made like this little fella here. Now, the Stoics of the time, the ancient world, they believed in a God for sure. They believed he was great. In fact, they believed he was so great that he couldn't be moved, that he couldn't have his heart moved. He was so great that nothing was greater than him. And then when God stepped into the world as Jesus, as we look at at Christmas, when the incarnation happened, we suddenly get this radical picture of who God really is. Because what Jesus does here, he doesn't walk by saying, I am greater. He does the opposite. He is drawn to the mess. He's drawn to the death. He's drawn to the pain and the, the, the woman so much so because his heart is compassionate. And whatever you are facing today, whether you're online, whether you're doing church at home, whether you're here in the room, he is with you in the mess. He is with you in it. He can't help but because his heart breaks. Luke says in this account that he was moved to the very depths of his heart. We have that phrase, don't we, from the bottom of my heart. So this is where it originates from. He was moved to the very depths of him. Wasn't he had a little cry like me with DIY SOS? He didn't have a little tear. He was so moved. And he even turns to the woman. He says, please don't cry. That's the first thing he does before he brings life, before he brings resurrection. If you like, he, he moves, he's moved by her tears. He's in pain through her tears. And we live in a world of broken hearts. Uh, one of the things that we're often reminded is uh, when we share and when we speak, never underestimate the pain in the pew. Now, we may not have pews. You may not have pews at home, but there is pain in many hearts today and trouble and pain come to us. And as we have on this Remembrance Sunday, as we thank God for those who went through pain and some of them death for us, they did it so that we could be free. And it was beautiful to take communion in that same way and to say, this is what Jesus has done for us, but not just in a temporary way, as we were reminded, but eternally. There's a, a lovely piece from Douglas Kane McCleverly, uh, which I can't say, which um, he says this, My history bears the fingerprints of your grace. You were always faithful, God. Though I could not always trace quick evidence of your presence in my pain, yet you remained at work, sifting all my splintering. And I love that last bit. You remain at work sifting all my splintering. And that's from a liturgy about suffering and pain. So the woman is bereaved, the woman is in tears and Jesus steps in. And one of the things in this series about Jesus that we've been learning and that Tim reminded us a few weeks ago is that Jesus, when he expresses what his heart looks like, says, I am gentle and humble in heart. He doesn't say, I'm great, I am powerful, I am all of this. The first thing he says is that he is gentle and humble in heart. And many of us have grown up with a wrong view of God. We still maybe hold on to that stoic view of God, that he is distant, that he doesn't care about our mess. Well, this tells us something different, that he comes towards it, that he's drawn by our pain. And what I love is in some chapters of the Bible, like when the four friends being their friend to Jesus, we hear that Jesus saw their faith 
and he was moved. Here it's not that. We don't get any indication that this woman is walking in faith. She's walking in pain. And that's what Jesus sees here. It's the pain that moves him, not the faith. And as Lynn Wynne shared, it's not always that. We're not always sparkly Christians, giving it large with our faith. Sometimes we're hanging on by a thread. And I, I suspect this woman probably was if she had any belief at all. And maybe she thought God had forgotten her. Maybe she thought that I'm the overlooked one, the abandoned one. And how many of us have thought that at some time in our lives? I remember, I didn't share this in the first service, but I feel it's important to share that on the worst day of my life, uh, categorically the worst day, my best friend Emma was with me at the time. And uh, I was... I'd given it all up. I just thought all of it is, is just a load of rubbish. I don't believe anymore. And I'd gone and sat in my garden in Dudley and uh, I had a little bench that I used to sometimes sit on for my morning coffee. And I sat there and I'd said to Emma, I'm just done with it, the whole thing. I don't, I don't think God answers my prayers. I don't know where Jesus is in all of this. And uh, she took a phone call while I was sitting in the garden in, in my home. And it was a phone call from a friend of her not mine and she knew that she was with me and she said your friend Judy I've been praying for her. I don't know her well but I felt very very clearly that Jesus was sat with her on a bench and he was crying with her and his arms were around her does that make any sense to you and she said well she's out there now and I really believe that Jesus sat with me that day you know who'd have known he came to Dudley um, <laughs> but um not physically, of course, I didn't see him there. But she reminded me that God's heart was broken that day, that Jesus was crying with me. The stuff was not of my making. And there are many of you here who, who get into a mess that is not of your making, not like the dog. You know, it's done to you. And you've perhaps lost faith and you've lost encouragement. And yet Jesus, he's drawn to our pain. He sits with us in it. He cries with us in our pain. But what he adds to the compassion that he feels for every single one of us is power. Because it's one thing if we're following Jesus to know that he's compassionate, as we read in verse 13. But he's way more than that, as we see in the next couple of verses. Because it's lovely to feel that he's with us and that he's crying with us and his arms are around. But this woman... You know, she needed comfort for sure. But actually what happens is she, she sees an absolute miracle. As Jesus steps towards the coffin or the briar, as it is said, it would have been an open coffin. They would have seen the person and he just touches. He can't reach the person. He just touches the briar. Jesus just touches that and says to the boy, get up. And we read, and this is, this is testimony, there were people that physically saw this that have testified to it. He sits up and he starts to talk. And Jesus says, you know, go back to your mother. Your, your mother will take care of you. And this story really, really moves me. It has done all week for the fact that actually we can rely not only on the compassion of Jesus, but the power of Jesus. Now, I have to say, I've never seen a resurrection. I've been present where somebody prayed for that and I admired their faith. I didn't have faith for it, but I watched as someone else prayed for it. And that didn't happen for that person and they died. But I have seen 
God heal people. I've experienced healing myself. I have seen people in marriages where they thought all was lost and yet God has stepped in and brought new life and new health. I have seen people who have felt suicidal, given new hope, new life. And I believe that we are all able to move from death to life by the power and compassion of Jesus. We are all doing it. Whether we believe this was a physical resurrection or not, there'll be different views in the room. But the fact remains, that God has stepped in in Jesus to show that he is powerful and has power over death. And I really, really believe that this actually happened. Uh, There was a song I was singing as I was preparing this a little bit yesterday and I was singing at the top of my lungs and these words just popped out at me. It says, he walked out of the grave and then so will I. He walked out of the grave and so will I. And whatever grave clothes we're wearing, whatever despair we are feeling today, he wants to give us that touch of his hope, that touch of his power. Um, A few weeks ago, um, I can't remember what month of the year it was, when we did Jenga. Uh, So when we were really launching the vision here at Riverside and we're beginning to meet in person again as we are now, some of us. And uh, we came to the front and we all had a Jenga brick, the youngest to the oldest, looking at bringing life to every generation in every community. And we all had a post-it note and a little marker pen and we wrote our names and we came forward. But one man got got it a bit wrong. And instead of writing on a post-it note, he wrote it straight onto the brick uh, indelibly. And that was our lovely Brian Philp. And if his family are watching, we send you so much love and hope that this is an encouragement to you, Val, and to Sarah and Tom and others. Um, But because a, a week later, if you don't already know, Brian died. And we were just clearing up and and Nate was going through some of the stuff and we found this brick where all the others' post-it notes have gone off. But here we had Brian's brick and his name indelibly written on it. And we've taken encouragement from that as a staff team. We shared about it and prayed into it. But also, I believe it's an encouragement to us today that we are in temporary accommodation here in this world. Brian isn't anymore. And he wouldn't have known that just a week later he would have gone to be with Jesus. But this to me is a symbol of what it means to actually follow Jesus, that our names are indelibly written for his kingdom, that our names are written on his hands as we read and sing. Um, And that actually we're all post-it notes on a fragile body like this guy was. You know, whether Jesus chose to heal him or not, what Jesus did choose to do was to fight and, and win over death for us. In 1 Corinthians, we hear, where, O death, is now your victory? Where, O death, is now your sting? So as we come to a close, if our names are written indelibly on Jesus's heart, there's something that we can do if we're part of the crowd, as these people were. Because the last couple of verses of this passage say, the people saw what had happened and they glorified God. And they said, this must mean that God has come to help us. In other words, what changed was that these people stopped just being admirers of Jesus from afar, but they said, he is worth following. 
And I suppose my heart at the end of this is to say, if you're someone who perhaps don't even know yet, this saving power of Jesus, this love, this compassion, this rescue of Jesus, his heart is to bring new life for you. His heart is to give you forgiveness and a new hope and a new future. He did that for this man physically, but he does that for every single one of us who come to him and say, I've messed up. I've messed up. I've got sugar puffs all over my face. I'm in a mess. Linwin, out clubbing, spending all the money. And yet God says, come to me, stop your tears. I will give you forgiveness. I'll give you new life. And like Brian, it's eternal life. It's eternal life that he promises us. Where we just maybe think, what is it that we kind of want to put on that briar, if you like, in front of Jesus, where we think, do you know what? I think it's the end of my story here. Or I've no hope for this situation. And just say, Jesus, if you have compassion on me, if you care about my mess, whether I've made it or someone else has, step in with your touch. Step in with your hope. Step in with somebody to come alongside. And do ask for prayer. There are people here who'd love to pray with you. I would be happy to pray with you. Uh, We've got the lovely garden here where we can safely pray for you. Or you might want to just pray with somebody that you've come with. For this resurrection hope to excite us again. Maybe we feel we've become a bit blinded to it and to see the hope that God has for our situations and for those we love.